We have a lot of ground to cover tonight, and so we are going to dive right into this passage. Uh, we are going to finish up our series called Uncertain Times, and that finishes tonight. We've gone through, this is the third message in this series, uh, and it's based on a verse from the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, and it says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And so we've been talking about having faith, hope, and now love in uncertain times. We talked a couple weeks ago about how we can have faith in uncertain times. We talked about the story of Peter walking on the water and how he had to have faith in Christ in order to get out of the boat and walk on those waves. But he began to be distracted by the waves and the wind and, and he began to sink. And I know that sometimes in our lives, we can start to sink as well. In uncertain times, like the ones that we're living in right now, we may start to sink into depression. We may start to sink into anxiety. We may start to sink into fear. But the good news, the good news for Peter was that Jesus reached down and grabbed him and brought him right back up. Then when Peter started to sink, Jesus rescued him. And I want you to cry out to Jesus tonight that if you are starting to sink into depression, to, to despair, into anxiety, into fear, cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, rescue me. Lord, save me. And I promise you, he will pick you up out of that pit and get you back into that boat. So we don't want to lose faith, even though the times are uncertain. We also, we don't want to lose hope in uncertain times. We don't want to lose hope in uncertain times. We saw a couple weeks, we saw last week that hope is a confident assurance, a confident expectation that God is going to work things out for good. That even in the worst of circumstances, even in the worst of situations, God is able to take those bad things, those bad situations, and he can bring good out of them. This is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. It is not a wish upon a star. It is a confident expectation that God will bring good out of the worst of situations and circumstances, even a pandemic such as the one that we're in now. Tonight we're going to start, uh, we're going to talk about how we can show love in uncertain times. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a parable Jesus told in the book of Luke. So if you have a Bible, near you, turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible, you can you follow along in the GFCC app. Uh, we got sermon notes in the app again. Thank you to our office manager, Sarah. And if you could uh, get your phone and, and pull up the GFCC app, you can follow along there. Also, uh, if you haven't gotten the app yet, go to your app store and search for GFCC, and you can download the app from there. There's all kinds of good stuff going on in the app uh, that will keep you up to date on what's going on here at GFCC. So make sure you get the app, uh, or, uh, or you can use a Bible app on your phone, such as Uversion or Bible Gateway, in order to follow along with the sermon as well. So we're in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke was a biography of Jesus written by a physician, by a doctor named Luke, a historian named Luke, uh, who was commissioned to write the story of Jesus, and that's what he did. So we're in Luke chapter 10, and this is the parable of the good Samaritan. Let's look at verses 25 through 29. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. 
You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Now, this is an interesting question. So you know, uh, this expert in the law, this lawyer, uh, is we, should have, we should think of him as kind of like a lawyer. Uh, this lawyer asked Jesus this question, um, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, the, and then Jesus turns the tables on him and says, tell you what, you know the law. You're an expert in the law. Uh, it's thought of that, that most uh, lawyers, most experts in the law were actually priests. That when they were not doing their priestly duties, they, were asked that they would act as experts in the law. And the experts in the law were following Jesus around to make sure that he was keeping the law and that he wasn't trying to circumvent the law. So they were kind of always watching Jesus to see what he was saying. So this expert in the law says, hey, you know, uh, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, you know the law. How do you read it? What do you think? And he answers uh, by quoting the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And then he adds Leviticus 19.18 to it, also from the Old Testament. And it says this, Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now here's the thing about the, the idea, the definition of a neighbor in Jesus' day. It was a very narrow definition, especially in the book of Leviticus. It was those who were your fellow Jews and any foreigners or aliens living in Israel who had submitted to the covenant of Yahweh, who had come under the covenant of Yahweh. And so uh, it's a very limited and very narrow definition of neighbor. So wanting to make himself appear very, very smart, wanting to make himself appear very holy, this lawyer, this priest, this expert in the law says to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus says, I got a story for you. Look at Luke 10, uh, 20, uh, 30 through 32. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Now, <laughs> when the lawyer asked Jesus, when this priest, this expert in the law, asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He's not asking a question about, you know, who do I get to love? When he says, when God said, love your neighbors yourself, he's not asking him, who do I get to love? He's asking well, who do I not have to show love to? So Jesus tells him the story. And I love the story. It, it takes place in Israel. Uh, Jerusalem is about 2,500 feet above sea level. And Jericho is about 800 feet below sea level. So it's a 3,300 foot difference uh, in elevation from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's going down. This man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Uh, the 3,300 foot uh, descent. Um, and it, there were, it was really rocky and there were a lot of places for bandits and thieves to hide. And so some robbers are hiding and they attack this man and they beat him. They, they rob him. They strip him of his clothes. They leave him half dead. And 
fortunately for this guy, a priest comes along. Now remember, it is most likely that this lawyer, this expert in the law, was a priest as well. And so Jesus says, this priest comes along. He sees the man, but he turns away and walks by on the other side. Now you would think that someone who had just been serving God in the temple of, of Jerusalem would say to themselves, I've got to help this man. But he doesn't. And then a Levite comes along. A Levite was someone who belonged to the, to the priestly tribe. So he's another one who works in the temple for God. But he too sees the man but passes by on the other side. You see, in those days, there was a real difference between the clergy and the laity, the, the, the priests and the common folks. And the priests and the Levites didn't associate very much with those who were not priests and Levites. There was a real separation between the two. Priests and Levites worked for God, not for people. Well, Jesus continues on in his story. In his story pardon me. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, here's the thing about Jews and Samaritans. They did not associate with one another. They despised one another. The Jews looked down on Samaritans because their ancestors had intermarried with the Gentiles. And so they looked at Samaritans as being half-breeds. Uh, also, there was a religious uh, battle going on between Jews and Samaritans. Uh, the Samaritans believed that the proper place to worship God was at Mount Gerizim, and the Jew, uh, Jews believed that the proper place to worship God was in Jerusalem. So there was this battle going on, on along ethnic lines and along religious lines and social lines and, and customary lines. And, and so they just, it was like oil and water. They just didn't get along. And Jesus chooses to make a Samaritan the hero of his story. This Samaritan, whom no Jew would ever want to associate with, whom no Jew would ever look up to, a Samaritan would never be the hero of a story, except for Jesus. And it says that the Samaritan comes by, and he's probably a merchant. He's got a donkey, uh, he's got uh, money, and so he's probably a merchant going uh, to Jericho from Jerusalem in order to carry on business. So he's going along and he sees the man. And, and it says that he was filled with compassion, that he, he took pity on him. Now I've told you before, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek. And the ancient Greek word, this is one of my favorites, the ancient Greek word for pity or compassion is the word splachnon. And, and what splachnon literally means is guts or intestines or bowels. Uh, it, it, it is the place uh, where um, it's the seat of tender affections, kindness, benevolence, compassion. And so this man has compassion, the Samaritan has compassion on this poor man who's half dead. He pours, uh, he, he pours oil and wine, puts a little vinaigrette on his, on his wounds to clean him out. He bandages him up, puts him on his donkey, takes him to an inn and takes care of him at the inn. 
The next day he gets up, gets ready to leave, and he gives two denarii to the innkeeper. Now a denarii, a denarius was worth one day's wage. So if you make $50,000 a year, two days wages before taxes, about $385. So this man, this merchant, this Samaritan, gives the innkeeper about almost $400, says, look, whatever expenses you've got, you take care of him. And any extra expense you have, when I get back, I'll reimburse you. So he's, he's, he's going back. He's going to come back and see him again. Now, Jesus then, after telling this story to this priest, to this lawyer, asks him a question. Uh, Luke 10, 36 and 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Now, the ancient Greek word for mercy is the word eleos. And this word, eleos, eleos, means kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and the afflicted, joined with the desire to help them, compassion. So this word, eleos, this one, this word, the, the, the lawyer, the expert in the law, the priest, couldn't even say the word Samaritan. He had to say the one who had Elias on him, the one who showed him compassion and mercy. That's the one who was the hero of the story. And then Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. In other words, go and be like the Samaritan. How much that must have stung this priest, this lawyer, this expert in the law. You want me to what? You want me to go be like a Samaritan? I can't do that. I can't stand the Samaritans. And Jesus thinking to himself, I know, man, I know how you feel about the hero of my story. So uh, Jesus' brother James he had a brother, James, who was a leader in the first century church at Jerusalem. And, and uh, Jesus' brother, James, was not a believer in Jesus until Jesus rose from the dead. And then Jesus, James became a believer in his brother as the Lord and Savior of the world. And then uh, James wrote a book. And we know it, he wrote a letter to the first century church. We know it as the book of James. And, and in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture... Love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right. So when it comes to us and what we need to do, uh, you and me, we need to show love even in uncertain times. Because it can be real tempting to keep things to ourselves. It can be real tempting to turn inward. And I believe what Jesus is telling us in the parable of the Good Samaritans, we need to turn outward. We need to continue. We need to show love to people even in uncertain times. We need to show love to people no matter what. Now I want to tell you a couple things tonight. Uh, the first is this. Through these uncertain times, you can be certain that God loves you. Through these uncertain times, you can be certain that God loves you. You know, we may think that God doesn't love us. That because of the hardships that we're enduring, because of the difficult days that we're going through, because of the, the confinement and, and the quarantine, 
uh, because of the pandemic and the coronavirus, uh, because uh, people are losing their jobs and people are, are losing their income, uh, people are losing their retirements, uh, it may, people are losing their lives and people are getting sick. We may think, well, maybe God doesn't love us. I'm here to tell you that, it, that God does love you. Even in these uncertain times, you can be certain that God loves you. And he proved it. He proved it by sending his son, Jesus. When Jesus came to earth, he lived a perfect life. He never sinned in any way, and yet was treated as the worst of criminals. For he was beaten and flogged, mocked and spit upon and crucified. But he didn't stay dead. No, God raised him back to life on the third day, just like he said he would. And that's what we're going to celebrate next weekend. But for tonight, I want to tell you that God does love you and that even in uncertain times, you can be certain that God loves you. It's because God went the extra mile. He went the extra mile by sending his son, Jesus, to be our Savior, our Lord, and our friend. And if you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ by believing in him, turning away from your sinful ways in repentance, confessing Jesus as Savior and Lord and getting baptized, God's going to wash away all your sins. He's going to fill your life with the Holy Spirit. He's going to fill your heart with his love. And he is going to pour out his blessings and, and love and peace and comfort uh, on you. And I'm here to tell you, God went the extra mile. Do you know why? Because love isn't love until it goes the extra mile. Love isn't love until it goes the extra mile. You see, the, uh, the, the Samaritan, the hero of the story, the Samaritan went the extra mile. He took care of the man, the, the Jewish man who was beaten and within an inch of his life and left for dead. And, and he not only uh, had compassion on him, but he went the extra mile. He, he took care of his wounds. He took care of the man. He took care of his expenses. He went the extra mile to show love, to show compassionate love. The, the, the love that we're talking about is this agape love. It's an unlimited, unselfish, unconditional kind of love. It's the kind of love that God has for you. It's the kind of love that God has for me. It's the kind of love that we are to have for God, an unconditional, unlimited, unselfish kind of love that we are to love God with. And that is the kind of love that God expects us to have for other people. And not just people that we like. Not just people who love us. But God calls us, Jesus calls us, to love our neighbor as ourself. And when it comes to who our neighbor is, when it comes to who your neighbor is, I got some bad news. Your neighbor may be somebody that you don't like very much. Your neighbor be somebody, may be somebody that you despise. Your neighbor may be somebody that you can't stand. So I want to ask you a question tonight. How can you go the extra mile to show God's love to someone this week? How can you go the extra mile to show God's love to someone this week? And I have some suggestions about who your neighbor may be, about somebody whom you may want to show love to. Actually, you're probably not going to want to show love to this person, but this is someone you need to show love to, to get out of your comfort zone and show someone else God's unconditional, unlimited, unselfish love. So maybe your neighbor, maybe, maybe you're a Republican, and guess what? Your neighbor, your neighbor's a Democrat, 
What does God say to do for your neighbor? Love your neighbor. Uh, maybe you're a Democrat, and your neighbor's got a, a red MAGA hat on and uh, is a, a, a flag-waving Trump supporter. Guess what? you got to love them. Because Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe, uh, maybe you're, you're a heterosexual and your neighbor is, a, is, a, is not. Maybe your neighbor's a, uh, someone who has a same-sex attraction. And, and you're thinking, oh, I, I can't love that person. No, nope, that person is your neighbor. Jesus said you got to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, maybe uh, you're a Christian and your neighbor is a Muslim. Your neighbor is a Muslim. Your neighbor needs your love. Love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe uh, you're a rich person and your neighbor's a poor person. Don't look down on them. Love them in Jesus' name in a practical way. Show them love. Or maybe you're a poor person. Your neighbor's a rich person. Love that person in Jesus' name. Don't rip on them. Don't hate them. Don't covet what they have. Love them in Jesus' name. Maybe you're a boomer and your neighbor is a millennial. Love the millennial. Don't make fun of them. Don't uh, stereotype them. Or maybe you're a millennial and your neighbor is a boomer. Don't make fun of them. Don't tease them. Don't rip on them. Love them because they are your neighbor. Love your neighbor in Jesus' name. And maybe you're an American and your neighbor is an immigrant or someone who may even be here illegally. Your job is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because in these uncertain times, we need to show God's love, God's certain love. In these uncertain times, we need to help people know for certain that God loves them and that God loves you and that God loves us. We need to come together, show God's love, in a powerful, tangible way to everyone we come into contact with. Remember who the hero of the story was. The hero of the story was the Samaritan, the most unlikely of heroes. The Samaritan was the hero because the Samaritan showed love. Jesus told the priest, the lawyer, the expert in the law, go and do likewise. And that's what we need to do, my friends. Because when we do that, when we show God's love in a real, tangible way to people that we may not even want to love, when we show God's love in a real way to people, they take notice. And I believe this with all my heart. Love changes lives. And that's what I want to do. And I pray that that's what you want to do. So let's do that, shall we? Let's love people in these uncertain times so that they will be certain that there is a God who loves them.